Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Back Lounge Podcast. I feel as though at this point, I probably don't need to do introductions anymore, but I always assume that there's people that are watching this or listening to this for the first time. So for those of you that are new, my name's Tank, I'm your host, and I'm a roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And on this podcast, we like to invite Basically, at this point, just anybody that has anything to do with music in the industry, and we just have conversations about whatever we want. These are not thought out. They're not scripted. I don't have questions ready. We just invite people on and have conversations and see where it takes us. And today's episode, episode 18, I'm really excited about this one because we're not having another artist or band member or anything like that on. We finally have somebody back from the working side of the music industry. And today's guest is Carrie Heisler. My German lessons are really making me want to pronounce that super German right now. But I think when I met her for the first time, I was like Heisler. But now we're just going to go with the American way. Heisler. Carrie Heisler. Carrie is the LD lighting director at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit, Michigan. And by extension, that means she's the lighting director for the Detroit Red Wings NHL ice hockey team and the Detroit Pistons NBA basketball team. And I have a lot of questions for her about this, because if this is already ringing some bells for some of you guys, this is the girl that kind of went viral in the metal community online for doing on ice intros for the Red Wings with her lighting to metal more specifically a lot of death metal and grindcore and stuff so a lot of people listening might be familiar but i was super excited to have her on here and talk to her about what she does and how she even does this because i know that a lot of licensing and stuff goes into music being used at arenas so i'm curious how she's able to use all this music but regardless it's awesome man i think the first time i discovered her on instagram it was from her using Lorna Shore to the Hellfire for an on ice introduction for the hockey team. And I'm just on her Instagram page right now. If anybody wants to follow her, her Instagram handle is maggot underscore food. And her title on here on her information says, I only like grindy music and my cats, my kind of person. But some of her most recent videos has uh, lighting programming for the Red Wings coming on the ice to uh, we got Lorna Shore here, Suicide Silence, Acid Witch. Uh, what else we got? Trivium, In Flames, uh, Revocation, like tons of bands that you wouldn't expect to hear playing at a major league sporting event. So this is super, super awesome. I'm excited, so we're going to kick this off pretty quick, but before we do, just a couple of normal pre-show announcements here. For anybody that's watching or listening, just as a reminder, the video versions of these are available on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash tankthetech, so if you prefer seeing us having our conversation, you can go over there and check that out, but the full audio versions are also available on Spotify, Google, Apple, and Anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts, it's available everywhere, which I know a lot of people like to do that, you know, at the gym, in the car, and that's kind of what I do. So I wanted to make it available there too. And I'm on a ton of different social media. If you guys want to keep up with me off of YouTube, 
I stream on Twitch on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, twitch.tv slash tank the tech. And I'm on a bunch of different social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. And my handle on pretty much everything is at tank the tech. And also all this content is free and it's not necessary, but if there's anybody listening that does want to contribute and help towards future content, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash tank the tech. I keep everything fairly cheap, man, because you know, it's really not necessary. At the end of the day, I just appreciate all of you guys watching and listening to this stuff. But if there is anybody out there that wants to contribute on Patreon, there's bonus perks that you get on there. You get all these podcasts and all my YouTube videos earlier than they're actually posted. There's a Patreon channel on our Discord and all that. Go check it out if you want to. But if not, thank you again for just taking the time to listen. But uh, yeah, since I got no other announcements here, let's just go. Episode 18 of the Back Lounge Podcast. We have a really cool guest today, Carrie Heisler. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm excellent. I am super excited to have you on here. I wanted to do it sooner. I just didn't know what your schedule was like because it's crazy. Now, in the intro to this podcast, I've told people kind of your background and how I found you and got you on here, but could you tell the audience, uh, what your job title is and what you do like full-time right now. Okay. So I am the lighting director at Little Caesars Arena for the Detroit Red Wings, Detroit Pistons. And then uh, I do that through Four Wall Entertainment through the Detroit office. So when I'm not at the arena and, you know, when hockey season and basketball season is over all summer long, I'm doing, you know, festivals and stuff like that. So technically a full-time employee of Four Wall, but yeah subcontracted for the Red Wings and Pistons. It's funny. We've, we've probably crossed paths before for, at shows or festivals and just never even knew it. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you said you're like in the Nashville area. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm down there like consistently, like all the time. Yeah. When you said I've had so many friends that have worked out of four wall in Nashville. And then I think I saw on your Instagram, you were doing like faster horses one year and I've done faster horses festival, like three or four times within the last seven years. Like, you know, yep, so. I've done it, I think five years straight, four or five years straight. Nice. Which is always fun. Cause you know, country music. Love it. Oh man. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just addressing the elephant in the room. It's like metalheads in the country world are interesting because it's like one, the first thing people usually notice is, is, is image. And yes. then usually what we're like listening to. So mm -hmm. I worked for a country artist for five years, you know, beard tattoos. And then while I'm working on guitars, I'm just listening to metal all day. And I like, seriously, we'd get on new tours with people and I would see like crews and bands just be like, is that guy okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I actually, so I met my boyfriend at Faster Horses. He was on tour with Toby Keith for like four or five years. Oh, really? And he yeah, yeah, he uh, was on tour with Rascal Flats for years, and then uh, Toby Keith as the Dimmer Tech, and um, yeah, he's like you know tattooed metalhead, yeah, all yeah. of that. Um, he's he's now a drum tech for a different band, but okay. yeah, no, like Nashville country, all that, and uh, he definitely kind of has that same thing, like being the metalhead and everything. So yeah. when I saw him on the tour, I was like who is that and why is he with Toby Keith right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember we, we did a festival one year and we ran into, um, I think it was Blake Shelton was doing a show. We like okay. the guy I was working for was opening for Blake and Blake's guitar tech. We hadn't seen him in like two years. And he goes, wow, you're still working here, huh? And I was like, yeah, why? And he goes, 
I just figured you would have went to like some kind of like rock and roll gig. And I'm just like, okay, dude, relax. <laughs> like, you no, know, it's, it's a yeah. job. And, and you probably know too as well. I mean, country pays really good. So, <laughs> and I grew up on it. I grew up on a farm. So oh, nice. I grew up on country music and everything. So yeah, no, it definitely like country music definitely where the money's at. It's like Christian country, classic rock. That's like yep. the three where you make money, you know? Yep. Um, well, and I actually get that a lot being like a sports, like doing all the sports lighting is I get a lot of like, like, who are you? Like, why are you yeah. doing the job you're doing? Which like, I, I love sports anyway, but yeah, I definitely understand that of like, people kind of like looking at you and be like, you don't really fit this job. Do you? No, totally. So. I, I totally get that. So you grew up in a far, did you grow up in Michigan? I did. Yeah. So I grew up in Albion, Michigan. Um, my father is a fifth generation farmer. Nice. Um, and then my mom homeschooled us. So we were homeschooled, raised Catholic on a farm. Damn. <laughs> like I, I mean, it's, I mean, not a similar background, but I also grew up, like I grew up outside of Chicago and, oh, when cool, I, okay. and when I tell people I grew up outside of Chicago, they're like, oh, big city. Like I grew up way out in the cornfields. Like I grew up in a town of 4,000 people. So like back, back to the country stuff, when I started doing country gigs, people were like, you're not used to this, are you? And I was like, dude, I probably grew up in more of a country area than a lot of the people on this tour, to be honest. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I know more country music than my boyfriend who's from Nashville. Yeah. Cause it's just like, that's what the culture is out there. You know, mm -hmm. like on the farm, you're listening to country music and everything. And so when I started making kind of the like slow transition into like metal and stuff, my parents didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, super supportive mind yeah. you, but you that's know. awesome. I mean, I, I relate to that. I mean, when, especially in the entertainment industry, like when you start telling, when you get into it and you start telling your families what you're doing, like, Nobody really gets it at first. Oh, to this day, my family members don't know what I do. Like, my dad tries so hard. Like, he, uh, so the console that I run at the arena is a grand MA2. Okay. So fairly common console in the industry. Yeah. And he's always like, oh, are you still running that grand MMA? <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he, uh. So I used to build stages. So I'd be like a steel climber and I would help build stages and stuff. Damn. And um, when I first started. And so I was going to school and I had helped build the stage for you two here in Detroit. Mind you, I'm just like a steel hand, right? Throwing steel, whatever. Well, I go to my dad's local bar with him like a month later. And uh, his friends were like, oh, so I heard you ran the lights for you two. And I was like, I was like just 18. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, to this day, family members are like, oh, how's that audio job going? And I'm like, we're getting there. It's 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 like my my parents got it right away because when I was okay. younger, I was in bands and they were really supportive. And then when I started working for bands like the, at that point, they kind of got how it worked. So my parents were great. It was the rest of the family that like my grandparents, I think like five years, five or six years into me, like being an actual roadie, they were still like. So you ever, you ever think about, uh, quitting the band and go back to school? I was like, I haven't been in a band in six years. <laughs> like I, and yeah. I, I really don't think it was, I think about the time I like got married. And then when we bought our first house, I think that's like my grandparents equate success to those old school, like 
buy a house, get married, have kids. So when that started yeah. happening, I think they were like, oh, so you, you have a real job. And I was like, yes, this is a real job. I know. I, well, and I kind of, I kind of set my parents on like a whirlwind because I was pre-med when I first started college. So I was like fast tracked to be like a doctor and everything. And then I was doing a theater apprenticeship while I was doing that. And then one day I was just like, you know what? This is what I want to do. And so I was like yeah. dropping out of pre-med school, going to school for theatrical lighting. You know, I ended up getting my degree and everything. So they at least had that going for them. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah, no, I went to uh, Jackson College for two years, got my associate's degree in arts, associate's of arts, and then I transferred to Wayne State University and got my uh, bachelor's of arts in uh, theatrical lighting. Damn. Yeah, I didn't even finish. I went to I went to college for a year and then I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, what is what does it do me? I mean, not much, but you know, full it, piece paper. Yeah, it, it, I guess for me personally, I, I feel like I kind of dodged a bullet because like, um, you know, years later when I met my wife, it's like she still has like student loans, like not anymore. Yeah. But like I, I only went for a year. And partial and part of that was a, a baseball scholarship. So I think when I dropped out, I only owed like five grand. So it was like, I, yeah, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate. That I got a lot of scholarships and stuff. So that was cool. Um, but no, I, I like my parents don't know this, but I used it as a way to be able to move to Detroit so that I could work in Detroit. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, like, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna go to school, you know, get my degree. But I, I really just did it so that I could come here and start working and start kind of, you know, because it, a lot of times in the industry, and you know, this as well as anybody, it's kind of like, you have to get your name out there yep. before anybody starts taking you seriously. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of, you know, setting up chairs, tearing down chairs, setting up stages, late nights, I actually, um, originally did conversions at the arena. So LCA is both basketball and hockey. So in between games at night, people come in a crew of like anywhere from 30 to 50 people and flip it. So ice gets covered, basketball court goes down, the hockey glass comes out, all of that. So while I was going to school, I was actually doing that. So I would go and work nights at the arena doing conversions. Damn. When'd you sleep? <laughs> like um, two hours uh, in between my first class and like my call from the night before. And then I would go to school, do like my, cause you know, you have to do like studio classes. So I would yeah. go to like the scene shop or whatever. And then I would go do homework, sleep for a couple hours. So it was like two naps throughout the day, you know? Yeah. Damn. So. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of, that kind of brings me back to like when I first started, because like, you know, obviously I wasn't like working at the same time as doing the schooling, but like, you know, when I was first in a band, it was like, we didn't, when we were in a band and we were touring, we didn't have crew with us. It was just the five of us dudes in a van and trailer. And I, I drove all the time. And it's like, looking back on it now, I was like, when did I sleep? Like, you cause don't, when, cause after the show, when we weren't driving, I mean, we were definitely finding somewhere to party or we were partying with the bands we were on tour with. And it's like, then, you know, now it's like I probably get more sleep now than I ever have. And that's crazy considering we have a kid at home. Like <laughs> and congratulations on having you oh, said thank you have you. a little one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. she's uh she'll be uh twenty months old uh in like three days. And it's so funny that I said my wife and I were just talking about um 
you know, before we had a kid, I always thought it was dumb when people were like, oh, I have a 17 month old. And I was like, just say they're one. But now that we have a kid, I get it because there's such a difference between months when they're developing that Mm -hmm. there's a massive difference between like a 16 month old and a 20 month old. So, but we're almost to the point where we can just say she's two and stop worrying about months and stuff. Yeah. I feel like once you hit two, you're into like toddler era. So you can kind of, you know. So what band were you in that you were talking about? So I was in a band from Chicago called Inept which we were like, we're pretty active uh, from like 2005 to 2009-ish. Okay. You know, when we were, we were on tour a lot. um, We got on some pretty awesome tours. We were always unsigned. But when we played in the home area, like we play like Metro, House of Blues, stuff like that. And then actually my first show ever with that band was at St. Andrew's Hall in Detroit. Um, Such a great venue. Yeah. I have great memories. So historic. Yep. I love St. Andrews so much. So probably one of that. And then there is a small venue here in Hamtramck where I live uh, called the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of um, metal bands come through. Like I, I just saw full of hell there with blood incantation. Um, nice. I've seen like a squala grind and um, like jarhead fertilizer. And uh, who did I? Oh, Archfire. Archfire was oh, a fun nice. one. Oh, nice. Yeah, those guys. yeah. They're so cool. They're such sweethearts. Yeah, we don't. You know, in Na- Nashville does have a good scene outside of country. Um, we've but we only have like one or two venues I can think of off the top of my head that would have shows like that. And it's like Exit Inn and the Basement East, and those are each like four or five hundred cap venues. So I think I went to. Might have been Exodus. I saw Gojira with Knocked Loose, which was like the strangest lineup I've ever experienced. Yeah. I felt like I was at Warp Tour again, where it's like you see like two very different bands within yeah. this span of like 30 minutes. Um, but it was, yeah, it was at some venue in Nashville. I could name it. I feel like I remember that. Was that within like the last year or two? Yeah. So it was last year in end of October. I think it was at Marathon Music Works, if I remember. That sounds right. yeah. it, it's an old like uh industrial complex, that, right? That's Marathon, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's you know, Marathon was great because in this town there's no middle ground for like rock and metal bands and or bands in general. It's either you're playing at like a two or three hundred cap dive bar or you're at the arena. Like there, yeah. was, there was nothing, but now we have marathon music works, which is like 1500 capacity open room in an old industrial place. And then the new Brooklyn bowl that just opened, which is awesome. And, you know, right before we started, I told you, I just saw the Lorna shore tour there. And that's amazing to me because in the span of a year, the last time they played Nashville, they played at a, a bar called the end, which is like 140 capacity bar. And then now they're playing like, you know, 1400 capacity sold out room and it's, it's just really cool. So the music scene in Nashville right now is actually starting to get some cool venues for a lot of cool shows to come through. Yeah. Cause I always like, cause I go down there quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always look to see kind of what's going through when I'm down there and it's like Grand Ole Opry, Grand Ole Opry, yeah. like some random, like Reba McIntyre thing. Yeah. So it's cool that like metal's coming down there more for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I just saw, let's see, Sabaton and Epica were here a month ago. Lorna Shore's tour was just here. Next month, for me, I'm going to see the uh, Ginger P.O.D. Space of Variations and Malevolence. Oh, sick. Personally, I think I'm, I've seen Ginger. I saw Ginger the last time they were here. 
I've done a tour that POD was on years ago. I wasn't working for them, but they were on the tour. Super nice guys. Mm -hmm. um, and then Space of Variations is uh, a newer band that's also from Ukraine, and they're awesome. Like their album they put out this past year was great. It's got a very early two thousands like almost industrial new metal feel, and it like, oh, cool, cool. makes me feel like a teenager again. Um, but Malevolence, like I'm so stoked to see those guys live because. I will not be nowhere near the pit. I'm going to go stand by stand the, in the back. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm too old for that shit now, man. I can't do it. Like I, that I sat in the balcony for the Lorna shore show. Yeah. And like the whole time I was just like, I cannot believe people are going this hard. Like, oh, I saw them back in May and it was, uh, my younger sibling and I, and they're 19 and, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, the the pit was like not like it was a good pit. Everybody was super chill. But yeah. recently when I saw Full of Hell, I mean, that was because Full of Hell is one of my favorite bands like yeah, of yeah. all time. Um, I literally my like my piercing here just got like gone. No oh. idea. My my head hit the stage at least twice. I mean, it was like I didn't have my glasses on because I don't I don't wash with my glasses on. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I have no idea what's going on because I'm just like blind as hell. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was probably one of the craziest pits I've been in that. And I was uh, in a cattle decap pit in the basement oh, of St. Andrews, oh, which man. another another one of my favorite bands of all time. Same here. Yeah. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen cattle decap since they were touring off of, uh, I think it was Humanure <laughs> like years oh, ago. God. Yeah. No, I saw them. I've seen them, I think, three or four times. Um, I saw them. The first time I saw them was like 2018 okay. at like Token Lounge. It was uh, full of Hall, cattle decap and revocation. Oh. And this like tiny up oh, dude. It was one of the most stacked lineups I've ever seen. Yeah. It's in this like tiny room, but they put pretty much the equivalency of like an arena PA in there. So, I mean, it just melts your face off. And yeah. I mean, the way the PA like you can't hear shit. Like, yeah, you're oh, just for like, sure. Yeah. There, there comes a point where it's so loud that it's just like, I mean, it, it is, there are shows I've been to where I'm just standing there and I'm like, this would be a lot cooler if it was like 10 decibels quieter. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I remember going home and like laying in bed at night and I, I could not, I just had a ringing in my ears yeah because it was and i mean i came out of there with like a black eye and everything and i was like this was great like best show ever yeah but like to this day that was probably one of the most stacked lineups that and then i saw um converge with uniform full of hell and thou damn and that was at a local detroit uh it's called l club yeah um but that was insane. I mean, my my friend and I, we we kind of like do music together here and there. But we just sat there like watching Uniform, and it was like just one of the craziest like musical experiences. That's awesome. I used to live for pits when I was a teenager. Yeah. My friends and I like we would take the we would take the train to downtown Chicago, and the whole time we're like, oh, I can't wait to get there and just we're right to the pit, man. We're going. And then like, I think about the time I was like. Maybe in my like early 30s, I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. And, <laughs> and there and there was a moment. It was uh I went and saw this was this was probably six or seven years ago. I went and saw um it was Hatebreed, Dying Fetus, Shadows Fall, and the Contortionist. Amazing lineup. And, 
I fully planned on staying out of the pit because everybody kind of knows uh, how hate breed pits get. Mm-hmm. Um, for the, for anybody that doesn't know, I mean, you go to a hate breed show, you're going to get kicked or punched in the head. It's just going to happen. So they they started playing Last Breath, which is one of my favorite songs from one of their old albums. And I was like, I'm going to go in the pit for a second. And right when I get in there, this this big dude like falls in front of me. And like my natural instinct, I reach down, I grab him and help him up. <laughs> And he, he gets up and he's just like in my face, kind of looking at me with this confused look like like this almost like, why did you just help me look? And I was like, you OK, man? And he just rears back and punches me square in the nose. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, I'm done. I'm too old for this shit at this point. Oh, yeah. I, I've been fortunate that like I haven't had a ton of experiences like that. I mean, everybody's usually pretty chill, but I went to see Slipknot a few months back because like my my little siblings like favorite band is like like Carnifex and Slipknot like nice they go so hard for it um so I bought them tickets and so you know I was like I've never seen Slipknot like all right you know make me feel 14 again you know and the only way and I'll probably get like hate for this but the only way I can describe like Slipknot pits is like just people have these look this look in their eye that like you know like they look like they're gonna like punch you in the face and then just be like why are you even here if you can't handle it and it's like do you need a hug? Like, yeah. are you okay? What happened? What do we need to unpack? Because it was just like, just wall to wall, just insane. And it wasn't even like a good pit where you're like, you know, you feel like you're actually moshing. There's like it a just community. Like, like yeah. yeah. You're just fighting for your life. Yeah. You know, that's and that's, that's the thing I loved about pits when I was a teenager was like, you know, with within the first like, you know, 10 minutes of a concert when you start getting a pit going, you kind of start getting the vibe for everybody. And it does. It becomes its own little miniature community at that show. You keep bumping into the same people and you kind of you can point out real quick like, all right, who's the asshole in here that's going to be yeah. over the top and stuff like that. But, you know, when we were kids, it was a great way to, you know, just get out some energy, frustration, have a good time. But there are those certain shows, like you just said, where it's like you can tell people are just like. Hey, I can go somewhere and hit somebody and probably get away with it. Like, yeah. you know, and that's just not cool. Well, and I feel like Slipknot, like you get a lot of like younger people too. Like people like bring their kids and whatever. And so it was one of those pits because I've brought my younger sibling to a lot of metal shows. I kind of like got them into metal and, you know, everything. So I've brought them, I brought them to a lot of shows and be like, yeah, go mosh. Like have a great time. Mind you, like they're 5'10". So like, yeah. you know they're they're on the taller side like i'm five five so like you know i feel a little okay about it but like at slipknot i was just like you are not going anywhere yeah. like you are standing here and we are just getting through this together and they were having such a great time yeah I mean. but some, some bands are really good do you remember do you remember a band called himsa no uh they're a seattle band um metal band but like they were <laughs> I don't know who I would compare them to. I actually love their albums. They're really good, but their singer was known for being just a ruthless, like he's like straight edge, just tough mm. guy. And he's only like five, six. And he's one of those dudes that if he like saw something bad going on in the pit, he would stop the show or jump out there. And I remember one of the last shows I ever did, there's a video of it on YouTube where um, there was a lot of younger people in the crowd and they had family members there. And in between songs, he goes, Hey, you know, we want everybody to have a good time, but uh, all you big dudes out there, just, you know, be aware there are, there are younger kids out here, you know, have a good time, but keep them safe and don't get too crazy. And 
at the start of their next song, this huge dude, like probably 6'2", monstrously built guy comes up to the front of the stage and starts giving their singer the finger and was like, I, I do what I want. Their singer throws down his microphone, jumps in the crowd and just beats the snot out of the dude. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like um, it's just funny that it's like when bands police their own shows like that. You know, I feel like you kind of have to in this day and age. I mean, mm -hmm. after after COVID, I mean, everybody was just ready to go. And mm -hmm. I mean, like, obviously, we understand that being like our whole careers were put on hold for, yeah. you know, a year and however long, you know. So I, I understand everybody was like ready to go like, OK, did the thing. We, you know, been separated. We just want to go to shows. We want to just get it out and everything. And it's like hundred percent but also remember that like we are all just here to have a good time so when exactly. bands actually like call shit out it's definitely like you kind of that's kind of your job you know what i mean because like security can only do so much like that security guard like he's probably 19 and gets paid 12 dollars an hour like yeah he's he's doing all he can right now yeah and the big part of that too is i i think i talked about this with um alex from malevolence a lot of these security guards that work at smaller and mid-sized venues that aren't familiar with the culture of the crowds that are coming in. They don't know what to look for. They don't know the difference between, okay, is this just a mosh pit or is this a fight? And sometimes you see security guards that actually go a little over the top, but then there's other people that don't know the difference between like, you know, a, a, a real fight in a pit and nothing happens. So I, I think there is a point where a band might get too big. Like, I, I don't know how easy it would be for like Corey Taylor to police a, a pit oh, during no, a Slipknot show. But not. when you're talking your small midsize venues, like, yeah, I, I saw something recently. I don't know the whole story, but I saw it in the news the other day that like Jamie Josta stopped a hate breed show because there was like a dude giving fucking Nazi salutes or something in the crowd. And oh. he was like, get the fuck out of here. And the whole crowd was like dragging this dude out. And it's like, you know, at that size, yeah, there's a lot of different personalities and people in a room and you never know how those are all going to, you know, interact with each other. So I've seen my fair share, even country shows. I've, I've dude, oh, I, I've, never, I've never seen more fights at any other genre of shows in my life than country. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No, country shows are just hands down the most insane. I mean, so like I said, I've, I've worked fast horses and I work mm -hmm. country music festivals and everything. And by day, like the end of day three, front of house just smells like yeah. the the most gnarly thing you have ever smelled in your life. Because yeah. it's just people go out there and they're not drinking water and they're not eating yeah. and they're just sweating and, you know, puking and everything. And you're just up at front of house just like trying to like run, just yeah. just chill out, you know, help the tours get in, help the tours get out. And you're just sitting there like watching these sunburnt people just like it's awful yeah. you know and i i like you said it's definitely one of those things that like i don't know what it is but everybody just like kind of has like a entitlement kind of at those shows mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. so um and mind you like there's a lot of cool people who listen to country like no For hate sure. on that but it's definitely i've seen i've definitely seen some things that uh music festivals for sure specifically country yeah yeah i mean i i've always joked that people don't go to country shows for the music they go to drink and fight like because oh, i mean half 100%. the time that's what it seems like yeah <laughs> no it definitely is because i've always noticed that like like the good like old school outlaw country 
like nobody's there for. Yeah. And then it's like the one, the few country artists that are up there that are way more like pop influence that are just like, we're, we just want to drink and, you know, have great time. It's, everyone's like, yeah. And just like chugging beers. And it's like, all yeah. right, like, do your I mean, thing, man. Live your life. Yeah. And I did a lot of those tours. Like, I mean, dude, we've done tours with Luke Bryan, Florida, Georgia line, all the, you know, your bro country stuff. And it's like, yeah. that's what those crowds are. And after a while, you just like, thank God, like I, I can only deal with that because I'm on the side of the stage. Like yeah. early on in my career, I actually was a lighting director, like way early. Hey. Yeah. And, uh, and I started thinking like later on in my career when I became a tech, I was like, I am so glad I don't have to walk to front of house at some of these festivals and shows. <laughs> like, Oh, I just, I, I just do this thing where I just like look straight ahead, look like I hate my life and just like straight walk. Cause like, if yeah. you don't, it's just, oh, hey, like, hey, get me this or hey, do this, do yeah. that. I mean, we do an EDM festival here in um, Detroit. And like the craziest thing that ever happened was so 2 Chains was there, right? Yeah. 2 Chains was on stage. Great, super fun, whatever. And we had a bunch of cryo, right? Like CO2 and yeah. everything. So after he was done, went through his clothes in the tanks, you know, clearing out the jets and everything. And I'm at the barricade and this woman has a wagon. Mind you, it's like midnight a wagon and there's like a a two three-year-old and then like a baby in a like little baby carrier right like Mm -hmm. this 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 kid can't be more than six months old and they have no headphones on nothing and she she just stops me she's like ma'am ma'am please please two chains needs to see my baby and i was like what (laughs) and she was like she's like please ma'am please two chains he needs to come see my baby like please go get him bring him to me and i said I was like, ma'am, I was like, take your children home. Yeah. Like, please. Like, two chains, like, just very normal looking baby. There was nothing unusual yeah. about this baby. I was like, Mr. Chains is gone. Yeah. He does not, like, man, I and honestly, there was nobody else. I there. honestly thought you were going to, like, you were about to lead into, like, she was going to tell you it was, like, his kid or something that he didn't know about. <laughs> Let me tell you <laughs> that. I, I've I've seen two chains. That yeah. was not two chains. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, there was no way that was two chains. Baby. It's amazing when that stuff happens because with you know when when we're on tour and we we work for bands, like obviously we know the people we work for and we have interactions with them. But like same thing with me. It's like at the end of a show, somebody will be like, "Hey, go get so and so. I need." I'm like, and I, it's it's kind of easy to play dumb because I can just be like, "Oh, like." I, I just work for the guy. I don't like, I uh, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I just handle all of his guitars and they're like, Oh, okay. And I'm just like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's definitely, I mean, and I get that a lot in the sports world too, mm-hmm. where people will be like, Oh, like get me, get me like, you know, courtside seats and get me this yeah. and get me that. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you, you do realize that, I make lights wiggle for a living, right? Yeah. Like that's that's my job. You know, mind you, like I've I've met a few of the players and stuff and everybody's super chill and whatever, but it's like I'm not I'm not going over to their houses and hanging out yeah. with their families. You know what I mean? For like sure. I mean light them up, do the thing. Most of the artists I've worked for in my life, I it's not like when we're off tour, I'm going over to their houses and hanging out and shit. It's like and I would imagine it's probably especially in your line of work, it's like the same. It's like people don't understand. They think because you say, like, if you tell somebody, I work at Little Caesars Arena, they think you can just do whatever you want. And that's 
not the case. <laughs> so a funny story about that. I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, what do you, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but they were like, oh, what do you do for work? And I was like, oh, I, I work at Little Caesars Arena. And they go, I remember when I was your age, I worked at a pizza place too. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know what? You're not far off. Oh man, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, what do you say to that? Like, I was just like, yeah, I was like, it's, it's kind of like that, but not quite. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I always so. like I always like when I tell people I work for bands and they're like, oh, so you're like a groupie. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like roadie groupie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big difference there. But yeah, but man, so you were saying you grew up in a you grew up in a farm, Catholic upbringing yeah. and stuff. What is your introduction to metal? Because a lot of the bands you've been listing off are from more of our niche extreme territories. So what yeah. is your introduction to metal? So. Being so obviously like YouTube is very much like a thing. So when I was when I was younger, I kind of just started listening to other music, like trying everything out. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I originally was like listening to like Led Zeppelin and like, you know, like older classic rock and stuff. And uh, from there, sorry, my cat. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Say hi. Aww, it look, looks like my old cat. For the for everybody listening to Spotify right now, they're probably gonna be confused. We've got a cat on screen if you want to see I'm him so sorry. on YouTube. <laughs> His name is Klaus. He's lovely. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I, I started listening to like obviously like, you know, classic rock and then that got, you know, transforms to like Black Sabbath and stuff. And how it kind of got into like actual like newer metal, and it's it's the dumbest way I can ever imagine. Um so I was like into rap for a hot second when I was like nine, 10. Cause I was just, you know, like I said, you got to try everything. Oh, same. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so there's this song called swing by Savage and, and miss may I? Yes. Yes. I do. When I was 10, I listened to that and I was like, why are they screaming? What is this? And yeah. from there, you know, it evolved to like metalcore, like as you do when you're like 11, 12, and then it turned to death core and then death metal and, black metal and now it's just like grind core and you yeah. know whatever i can tech death you know whatever you, i can get my hands on so yeah. it was definitely a, a slow kind of thing at first and up until like probably two years ago my mom's like she'll get over it it's a phase <laughs> yeah. like it'll be fine and now she's just like oh all right yeah. I guess, I guess this is how it is. It's now. so funny that you brought up swing because when I worked, when I was, uh, when I was about 19 or 20, I worked at a venue outside of Chicago called Mojo's that doesn't exist okay. anymore, but, um, we were having a lot of core bands in and I was working on a night. I was, I was a stage manager and I had no idea who the band was and it was Miss May I and the, the audio engineers like, you know, that song swing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, the hip hop song. And he's like, yeah, check this out. And he played me that cover. And he's like, that's the band that's here tonight. And I'm like, no way. A metal band covered this song. <laughs> I but, met them when I was like 14. And I told them that's how I got into metal. And they're like, you're fucking kidding me. Yeah. And they're like, wait, how old are you? And how old were you when you listened to this? I was like, so YouTube, my YouTube is very uncensored. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all go through our, fa I, when I was 10, I went through a hard year where I was like a juggalo. Like I was listening to nothing but ICP for like a year of my life. And I think there was, I, I look back on it now and I think it was because like, we were like 
I remember I was I was 10. I was in fifth grade. A friend's older brother had uh, their album Riddlebox. Oh, God. And I remember listening to it and I'm like, it's so vulgar and it's so dirty. And I think because we were like 10, we're like, yeah, like this is what we're going to listen to. But then you started getting like Eminem hit the scene just mm-hmm. as vulgar. And then Limp Bizkit comes out and it's metal, but it's just as vulgar. And we're like, OK, so we started transitioning away from ICP a yeah. little bit. But um, no, ICP like is they do two shows, one or two shows every Halloween here in Detroit because they're from this area. So like the juggalo culture here is insane. So I, and then like Fago is like such a Michigan thing. So whenever my boyfriend's in town, I'm like, okay, you gotta try this Fago and you gotta try this Fago. And he's, he's like, why? This is just juggalo shit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is Michigan culture. Yeah. And then the juggalos are a part of it. You know, whatever. The, cr- the crazy thing is, is that like I know Juggalos and like, you know, ICP and Twisted fans and all of them, they get a really, yeah. really bad rap. Most, if not all of the like diehard Juggalos I've ever met have been some of the funniest, nicest, like happy go lucky people I've ever met in my life. I've dated two Juggalos unapologetically and to this day can still sing every word of Ned and Game. Oh my God. But. <laughs> Here we are. You I know, think, can't win them all. I think I could still do the entire lyrics, uh, the the entire song to um, I think it was called Three Rings that was on Riddlebox, where it was like they were singing about the different rings at the circus and all the different freaks that were in the freak show. And I'm yeah. like, the lyrics to that I remember just as a kid. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. Um and we actually had a monitor engineer that he uh, he's he's in Nashville. We had a monitor engineer on a tour that I did for a while, and I think he works for Brooks and Dunn now, but in the industry, his nickname is Jugs because he's a diehard juggalo, like oh. hatchet, hatchet man tattoo on him and everything. Like he's to, he, his girlfriend, I think that he has, he like met her at the gathering. Like, <laughs> oh man, I wanted to go to the gathering this year because it was the last one ever. Yeah. And I just, I really wanted it to be like, you know, 40, 50 years down the road, I could be like, ah. Oh. Back in my day, yeah. I went to the gathering, you know. The gathering but, of the Juggalos, though, always has solid lineups. Like, Seven Dust was there one year. And like, there's always good bands there. Well, and it's, what's crazy is, like, they have, like, really obscure stuff, too. Like, like the kind of rap, like, because Tech 9 and Strange Music mm-hmm. all are kind of a thing. So they get some, like, bigger hip-hop artists, for sure. But this is definitely derailed to a very juggalo-esque conversation. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's well let's let's get back onto the 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 rails here, which I yeah. wanted to talk to you about. Um, most most people that are listening to this are already going to know, like I said, your backstory and stuff. But I want to kind of talk about that because, like, I think I first found your Instagram page from I think it was Adam from Lorna Shore shared uh, when you used um, I believe it was to the Hellfire for your for your music for your lighting programming. Yep. And I was like, first of all, I was like, this is awesome because like hockey is my favorite sport. And I, you know, I saw that and I was like, this is awesome. But also like how? Because I know all about music licensing and stuff like that. So but I I, I want to just ask because I feel like you have kind of sort of in a small way gone like viral in, in our metal community because yeah. a lot of people saw those videos. When you were uploading those videos to Instagram, did you ever think that like bands and other metalheads were going to see that or were you just uploading your work so i try and catalog my work pretty well um but also like my mom living like 
you know, hour and a half away from me. I upload a lot of stuff for her and everything to see. So uh, I first uploaded just like, you know, I did like a Rammstein one because I was kind of testing the waters to see what I could get away with. Yeah. Uh, and then I did like after the burial one and everything. And, you know, I post my work consistently. And uh, I just did a Black Dahlia murder one because they're from Detroit. Yep. Whole nine, that. you know, love them. One of my favorite bands. I actually named my cat after them, you know, That's awesome. uh, another one. Uh, but so I, I posted that and I just, you know, like tagged, you know, Black Dahlia murder, whatever, no big deal. And they saw it and all of a sudden it just like blew up. And I just remember like, I like posted it and I like went home and all of a sudden I got like a message from, I, it was either Brian Ashbach or, you know, Trevor. Mm-hmm. And um, I just like all of a sudden, like my heart sank and I was like, what is happening? And then my phone just started lighting up. Yeah. So, Cause I remember seeing there was, there was articles on like Loudwire and metal hammer and stuff. Like there were, there were legit articles where people were like, check this out. Yeah, I was I was also very fortunate that uh, Brad actually, uh, Brad Zorgdrager, he uh, I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I did Brad, um, but he actually asked to do an article about like me, not just my, you know, just not just like the metal. Yeah. Uh, and so that was like one of the craziest experiences. Like I have to say, overall, I've just been incredibly humbled by all of this because like I like uh, one of the prime examples is like I posted like a suicide silence one the other day mm-hmm. and I mean I've been listening to suicide silence since I was like 14 and uh just to see these bands that I've been listening to for years who've influenced me so much and you know meant so much to me just to see them even see my work mm-hmm. you know because lighting is my passion like that is yeah. what I love doing and just to see people that I've always looked up to appreciate what i do has been just like the absolute most humbling thing but yeah i, I just did it so my mom could just be like you know See what oh you're doing. good job sweetie yeah. you know because she, she refuses to go to hockey games because she says it's too cold so um <laughs> yeah but uh no it's it's definitely been humbling for sure and just like kind of a dream come true for sure and i mean my whole thing is like i, I want to be a touring ld eventually yeah. like i you know lighting music is definitely what i love doing um but it originally started that the LD before me, his name was Chris Wade. Um, we were supposed to share the arena for like a year. So I got my feet wet and then um, he got a promotion and he, they were just like, well, here you go, kid. Here's an arena. Figure it the fuck out. And I was just, I, I had no idea. I was like, okay, great. Like, I'm just going to do whatever, figure it out. Um, but he, the year before, during like the heat of COVID, uh, him and our audio engineer, uh, Brad McGee, they would just play music, do lights, whatever, because A, they were super bored. B, there was like no audience. And so he would do like like Molly Crew and he's like a Slipknot one and he did like a Pop Evil one, you know. So they were like like hard rock and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, when I came in, he was like, well, if, you know, we kind of just do these like, like lighting walkout things. So, you know, if there's any songs you want, just kind of like start throwing them in. He's like, just don't get too crazy with it. I was like, okay. So, you know, I started with Rammstein and everything and it just kept going and going and going. And um, then just kind of pushing the envelope. I mean, I remember when I played Dying Fetus because I I used to have to get them approved by the Red Wings. Um, And by approved, I mean, I would go, I'd play the song because it all has to be instrumental. That's the one thing. And I would play it, show them the lights and they'd be like, okay, great, whatever, you know. So I was was showing uh, one of the Red Wings guys it 
And he was like, all right, whatever, do your thing. And he goes to walk away. And I was like, cool. Like, glad you liked dying fetus. And he just like whips around. And he's like, <laughs> like, Carrie, Carrie, we can't, we can't play dying fetus. And I was like, but why? And he yeah. was like, what if somebody shazams it? And I was like, if they shazam it, they probably like it. Yeah. And he was like, fine. You know what? Have your dead fetuses whatever <laughs> and he just like walked away but I, i've actually started changing the names of them but when i send them to the dj because he would get on and he'd be like carrie are you ready for of stirring seas of salted blood oh and i would be like like chachi just like pull up a little bit so i just started like naming them things that like if he says it on calm i'm not like you know nothing's really no red flags are going up yeah so and so when I watch the videos, it seems like these are like on ice intros, like the team yeah. is coming out. So like, so one, I one one of my big questions about this is, you know, I know how music licensing usually works and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way that you can just use any of these songs? Is it not televised? Is it, is there a way that around this? So, um, Sorry to the cat. Uh, so pretty much what it is, is at the beginning of the year, from what I've picked up, so they, the Red Wings and the Pistons, they both do this, that they pay a certain amount of money to obtain the ability to play music in bowl from the DJ. Mm -hmm. Now, whatever is televised, um, I think you have to get certain copyright yeah. things. And also, I think that depends on the network. Now, so in bowl, we can pretty much play whatever. Um, and I, I have, like, we haven't really ran into any problems with it. The only thing is, is all the videos that you see are recorded on my phone. Yeah. Sitting on a Funko pop box, leaning up against my, uh, booth window. Yeah. Because, uh, I can't obtain video from the Red Wings without getting the Red Wings approval. Okay. So it's a personal phone. And it's being posted to my personal account. Yeah. So the important question here is, what Funko Pop is your phone holding up? So uh, our DJ Chachi at the end of the year last year, he got me a death metal Batman. Yes. Funko Pop. So he's in his box because, you know, got to got to keep his uh, integrity. Oh, here, hold and on. I don't, I don't do this much, but I'm going to turn my camera for you. Oh, I'm so excited. I like, I oh. have a whole wall, like... Sorry, my we just moved and our house is still messy, but like I have a whole setup of Funko Pops that I've been collecting like on tour forever. It was my first one. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah, he he sits in the booth next to all of my bobbleheads that I've accumulated from uh you know, just being at the games and then my booth buddy. I have a little, you know, console buddy that sits in the, my booth with me, so. Yeah. Where where are you set up in the arena? Are you in like the 200 or 300 level? So it's technically quote unquote 300, but what it is, is it's up on the top level in the press gondola okay. all the way in the uh, Southeast corner of the arena. So pretty much you look out from my booth and you just see everything. Nice. Um, mind you, it's not central, which like center ice and like center of the court would be the best because trying to focus lights that you can't see. I could only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've FaceTimed myself and used uh, Team Viewer many a times to focus lights by like walking around the arena. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a really sweet view 
for sure. And the amount of stuff at the arena that like actually is controlled by four wall from the Grand MA is unreal. So yeah, there's there's a lot to it. And like I'm I'm a big gearhead when it comes to like lighting and stuff. Um, so overall, just like the arena, like we control all of the outside, all the outside lights. All there's a strip light it's like a just like led tape we didn't install it uh but it's like the front sign we control all of that uh and i there's 12 projectors on the concourse that we control all of the content uh we control the ice projections so if you see like if you're at a red, red wings game and you see the projection on the ice we control that we don't make the content but we control all yeah. of that um bunch of foggers uh the whole actual ceiling are over 3,000 led lights on the tension grid 3,000 yeah, we are yeah. one of the only arenas in the country that has that. So the whole grid, because you know, like when you uh, rig in a st- in like a stadium in an arena, you're on beams. Well, mm-hmm. here at LCA, it's actually like intertwined steel like aircraft cable that you can just walk on without a harness. Um, so oh, under- I've, s- I've seen pictures of that. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So underneath it is all lights. Nice. So the whole ceiling is controllable lights that can be bitmapped and stuff nice. and then um in the like in the actual bowl itself we have on all the dresses there's 174 lights dang do you have like like do you have control of all like cryo and stuff that's on like the big jumbotron and stuff do you guys do that there so our cryo we have like lighting carts for the pistons so like mm-hmm. i i designed a floor package and everything and we have uh cryo in that and then we actually have cryo in they have the Pistons have two bars on port side, which is like new to the NBA. Yeah. Um, but we have cryo in that and stuff like that. So nice. there's no cryo actually on the billboard. Um, but yeah, we control all of that as well. That's so cool, man. Cause this is, while it is like the same kind of stuff that I'm familiar with, like in our industry, like, cause we obviously use lighting and cryo and stuff too. Yeah. This is just a different aspect. Like this is so fascinating to me. Like, Um, And I know you said you're basically, you know, a a four wall employee, but you Mm -hmm. do like you do. Do you do you do all the lighting like during the actual games and everything, too? Yeah. So the whole open itself um, is time coded. So we designed that we get the ice projection for the Red Wings, for the Pistons. We get the track. We build the opens. This year has actually been unusual because usually you get one open time coded. That's what you do for the year. Well, the Red Wings had two 25th year anniversaries for the two Stanley Cup wins in 97, 98. So that was like, you know, your grind line and Stevie Y and the, yep. you know, Russian five and all that. And then um, the Pistons are brought the 1990s teal back. So we've had multiple opens. So we do all of that. We do player intros, uh, anthem, everything. And then the Pistons have consistent half times throughout. So I get a track. I have to program it. A lot of times it's like rap music and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is cool. Something different. And then for the Red Wings, uh, all the metal walkouts. So what that is actually is intermission happens. Lights are out. As they hit the ice after the intermission, they walk out to death metal or whatever kind of metal we're playing that day and a light show. And then lights come up next period of hockey plays. Have you have you ever heard from any of the players on the Red Wings yet how they feel about hitting the ice for warm up to like cattle decap and carnifex and stuff? So. No, which is weird because <laughs> uh, we were doing media day. So like all of the video content that you see for like the player packs and everything, player intros and everything, we did all the lighting for that as well. Cool. So, you know, you're like chilling out and running it and the players are coming in and out. 
and our DJ Chachi, he was talking to them about like, what do you want to hear more of? What don't you want to hear more of? And they were just like, oh, you know, the Germans were like, oh, techno, you know, and yeah, whatever. <laughs> and um, they're like, oh, we love Drake and whatever else. But I haven't heard much from it. And I've kind of but been one of those where it's just like, maybe that's for the best. Because, yeah. like, as soon as, you know, I don't want Dylan Larkin to be like, I hate metal. And then just be like, well, my Dylan, dude, he never said that. <laughs> Dylan's a pretty fucking cool dude. He was actually really good friends with the guy that I was working with. And every year we did Faster Horses, he'd be backstage hanging with us. Yeah. And he would always come over to my guitar world where I was playing metal and he'd like hang out and kind of just talk to me and be like, mm-hmm. he seemed into it. So it's like, maybe Dylan's also a metalhead, you know, you never know. You can hope. No, Dylan's cool for sure. Yeah. I haven't personally met Larkin, but just what I see, yeah. you know, being the captain and all. Um, I'm sorry. There's just so much cat going on right now. <laughs> That's great. It's um, like, this is, I love this because you've got your cat jumping on screen. I can hear my daughter just I could going hear her, nuts yeah. in the background too. I'll probably just, you know, edit that out in the post after this. But like, <laughs> that's, that's what I like about these. Like, we're not super professional here. We just go yeah. with whatever. <laughs> Definitely not. Well, and uh, what was funny about like all the articles that you were talking about earlier was I actually got thrown into a group chat with one of the guys from the Red Wings and one of my coworkers, and it was an article about me playing Lorna Shore. And I can't exactly remember the exact quote, but it, he quoted it and he was like, Ramos's animalistic, brutal pig squeals <laughs> as the Red Wings hit. Like it was something along that lines. And he was like, I don't know how to unpack this. He's like, what does this mean? Yeah. And I was like, it means people like it. Yeah, it's dude. The other day, uh, Will was I don't know what was going on on tour, but Will was posting about uh, Boys Like Girls. He was just like the band. He's like, yeah, he had a tweet that said petition to bring back Boys Like Girls. Well, Martin, the singer for Boys Like Girls is a friend of mine. And I texted him and I was like, apparently the singer for Lorna Shore really likes you guys. And he's like, who are they? Like, he had no idea who Lorna Shore was. (laughs) So I sent him the video to to the Hellfire and yeah. um, <laughs> it took him like 10 minutes to respond, but he uh, responded and he goes, this is pretty intense. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I For me, that's just, that's my kind of go-to music, man. That's yeah. the stuff that just makes me feel good and, you know. A warm and fuzzy. Yeah, absolutely. That's- I was, uh, I have two little, little sisters and I had them listen to it and I, uh, <laughs> My little sister Jonah, she's 13, and then Ezra is 11. And uh, we were in the car, and I was like, like all the way up listening to it, like specifically to the Hellfire and like the very well known breakdown and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm like laughing, whatever. And and Jonah's just like, what is this? I look in the back, and Ezra starts crying. No, like like real tears. <laughs> oh, no. And she goes, it's scary. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, because no. I mind you, like. I moved out, you know, because they're quite, they're significantly younger than me. Yeah. So I haven't like been there, living there to be able to be like, this is cattle decapitation. You know, (laughs) this is, these are the bands that we know and love where Eden, my other younger sibling who's 19, they got all of it. So like they are a hundred percent, like they're actually a dancer and uh, dance to metal songs so oh, they choreograph awesome. music to like uh, or choreograph dance to like Carnifex and all of that kind of stuff. So 
That's awesome. My, my, my sister is about seven years younger than me. And when I was, when we were growing up, I, uh, played her a lot of metal and stuff. And she also been like, this, this is so ridiculously heavy. And then she kind of started getting into it when she was older. And then the funniest thing now is that, um, her boyfriend that she's been dating for a very long time, all he listens to is like black metal, death core, death metal. And like, Bands that I'm like so obscure that I don't even know who the fuck he's talking about. Yeah. Like, so I'm like, I told my sister one day when I was talking, I was like, I got you ready. You didn't realize it, but I got you ready. Cause that's, you know, you got to prep them. No, yeah. I, uh, there's a lot of, so like my boyfriend and I, we both are like metalheads, but like mm-hmm. we like different metal. So we kind of like bring each other to like, Oh, he, you know, bands, he likes and bands. I like to kind of show it to each other and whatever. And, uh, cattle decap he'd heard of them but he wasn't like super into him so i was like okay listen to this this is amazing whatever and uh his one of his best friends that he tours with who's one of their lighting guys because he tours with hailstorm actually um no way i my band that i used to be in we did we we toured with hailstorm on their first tour ever when they okay when they were in an rv and their roadies were their parents yes (laughs) Yeah. yeah so He's the drum tech for, uh, for RJ. RJ, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um, but yeah, so I was, they were, you know, in town. And so I was like, okay, I'll just like come up to the show, you know, not working or whatever. And I was sitting there talking to his friend and his friend was like, oh, you know, Nikki showed me this band. I don't know if you've, you know, called Cattle Decap. And I'm like, yeah, Cattle Decap's great. And he's like, oh, he got you into it too. And I was like, hold the <laughs> fucking phone. Yeah. I was like, I have Cattle Decap tattooed across my knuckles yeah. like not actually but like the song like one of their songs yeah i was like you think he got me and do it no 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 and he was like i'm sorry to have offended you and i was like it's yeah. okay it's okay i man i i have liked that band for so long but when death atlas came out that was like a whole different like that it, that was like my album of the year that year that whole entire album from start mm-hmm. to finish is at a whole nother level of like death metal like it's is that so your good. favorite cattle though like mm. top cattle I, album go I I think I think it I think it is yeah for really me, I think for me personally it is and um I don't know if it's uh because the you know our, 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 um, our tastes change over the years and stuff yeah. like that. And it's also a vibe though. Cause there's still times where like, I'll, I'll be working out and I don't know what to listen to. And I'm just like going through my list and I'm like, Oh, I eat your skin. Yeah. That's a good one. I haven't listened yeah. to that in a while. Like, you know, that was my first cattle decap song I ever heard. Uh, like, I think mine was probably manufactured. Ex- no, no, it couldn't have been. It probably dead set on suicide, probably yeah. off of monolith. Yeah. And the funny thing is you listen to that, the people, people that listen to that music that don't know anything about the bands, like they hear noise. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. we've heard it our whole lives. People are like, this is angry. This is just noise, whatever. But then you, if you, if you know anything about these bands, it's like, like Travis, for example, from Cattle Decap, like one of the nicest people, mm-hmm. it, it, vegan, like things, things, stereo, things that people wouldn't stereotype metal bands for. Yeah. Like, well, I actually did my senior project on cattle decapitation at Wayne State's theater department. So it was hilarious because like I had to choose five songs. I had to do a pre-pro lighting design to whatever band I wanted. But because like everybody else was theatrical and my nickname was Flash and Trash at college <laughs> because everyone was just like, yeah, she's going to go do, you know, music, whatever. And there is a very like you wouldn't think it, but there is a very specific like 
theatrical people look down on entertainment lighting designers. Oh, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Like, I, I, I say this is an endearing way, but like theater nerds are an interesting breed of people. And, and see, I was one for yeah. sure. But it, yeah, it's just wild. Like, uh, because we have our daughter, uh, we've been getting into all these like YouTube kids series and all this stuff. And there's a series that we always turn on for her called Miss Rachel. And we, we really realized the other day we're like, because like Miss Rachel was the main one, and then she always has friends on there doing stuff with her. And yeah. I was like, these guys were in musical theater together. <laughs> like you can tell. And we had this super long conversation about like musical theater and and like theater kids and stuff are always like they're always on a hundred, always oh. like. And I was like, why do you think that is? And she's like, probably because of you know the theater and stuff. It's like. They always want to be in the spotlight and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a good way to put it. And it's like, you know, it was almost the same with like band. And I was in band in high school. Okay. Yep. But the band I, kids. I wasn't, I also played sports and stuff. So I wasn't like mm -hmm. as diehard into band as our, um, our conductor wanted us to be. Mm -hmm. But man, band is another thing where it's like, dude, there, are, there are absolutely a version of like jocks that are in band and theater and stuff. It's their own thing. Well, and being homeschooled, like, there's a lot of, uh, like, because no I went to a homeschool group, but that's, like, a whole other thing. Um, so, like, normal high school tropes, a lot of times, like, I don't know. Like, I thought having a locker would be the coolest thing as a kid. Like, I wanted a locker. I, was, I just <laughs> think it'll be great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I definitely – so, I did, like, a theater apprenticeship for two years. I had the, the best uh, lighting apprentice – or uh, lighting mentor – his name is Michael Coy. He went by Buddha, um, taught me so much of what I know, but he was very much like theater, theater, theater. Well, he knew that I wanted to do music, you know, design lights to music, you know, like my end all be all dream is to like be a lighting designer for metal actually specifically. Um, but yeah, so I went to Wayne State and everything and it was just like, they're like, Oh, you know, flash and trash, whatever. Well, my, mentor there his name is matt taylor he's a well-known lighting designer he was like i get what you're going for not going to talk you out of this he's like so for your senior project you need to we need to find something that fits you and i was like well you know i think just like making a rig designing lights to a band whatever and he's like yeah whatever you want to do whatever band whatever picked cattle decap i chose like five songs and did all of the lighting design presented it to the department and everyone was just like, so tell us more about <laughs> this. They were like, it's amazing. They're like, it looks great. Well done, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, actually, I was like, this is, you know, cattle decapitation. I explained what the songs were. And I was like, they're actually about saving the environment and how we should not treat animals the way that, you know, we do and how, yeah. you know, treating humans the way we treat animals and everything. And I was like being, you know, a long time vegetarian i was like it's something i you know very hold you know hold near and dear to my heart and i was like and they're talking about if we keep treating the planet the way we do that it's gonna you know be destroyed and everything and they're like huh that's that's so enlightening and i'm like yeah and they're like would not have would not have got that didn't and, read and, and people don't and, and it's it always reminds me do you remember a netflix movie that uh called bright that like starred like Will Smith and it was like, dude, yes. the scene, the scene where they're in the car 
and his partner, like the orc turns on the music and it's, I, I think it was cannibal corpse. Yeah. And, um, Will Smith turns it off and he's like, he's like, no, we are not listening to no damn orc music. And he's like, that's the greatest love song ever written. And I'm like, that's how I feel about metal. Sometimes I'm like, dude, the depth of the lyrics and the songs and the message they're putting out is like normal people. Like the, the mainstream audience that doesn't listen to metal, like they, they miss all of that. And like that happened recently with me with like Lorna Shore's dude, the whole pain remains album. Like if you get into Will's lyrical mm -hmm. concepts and then the trilogy and stuff, it's like, that's a depth of emotion that you can, you can find in a lot of metal. Yeah. But the normal person wouldn't know where to look. I always kind of start people with like doom metal. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite bands is, um, and I always, the name, because it's actually, it changes depending who you ask, depending, because it's a Canadian band, but they're called Woods Eyebrae. Oh, um, I know who you're talking why, about. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite bands, um, but like the lyrical content is phenomenal. Um, David Gold always like put his heart and soul into everything um but that's something that i'm like okay it's like doomy it's metal but it's something that you can kind of like start people with and be like all right what do you think of this and if they're like great it's like okay let's let's slowly get you into it you know because i feel like doom metal is a little bit more you know as soon as you get blast beats in yeah it, yeah people once you just like shut down yeah once you start throwing blast beats and double bass and crazy stuff at people right away like that's usually like the threshold I've found with normal people. It's like, if you can give them something that's heavy, but it is, it's like doomy where it's just like, you got a simple four on the floor drum beat. That's mm -hmm. kind of slow. Like they're like, okay, I can handle this. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, and then, and then if they go can handle doom metal, just right to like Archspire 400 BPM. Just like, <laughs> yeah, I remember showing, I remember showing my wife, uh, Oh, what one of the music videos from their new album. And she's just like, this is, I, this is insane. She's like, yeah, sh she gets into some of the stuff I like. She actually really likes cattle decap, which is surprising to me because my wife is not a metalhead. Mm -hmm. Um, but she's heard enough music around me that she can immediately know it's a certain band. Like she can yeah. hear and she can be like, Oh, I know this. Um, but yeah, that's like, there are some things I turn on for, like if we're in the car and I have shuffle on, there are certain things that come on where she's like, ah, it's just too much. She's like, just yeah. too much right now. And she's like, there was something that we were listening to one day. Oh, it was Orbit Culture, which Orbit Culture is like one of my favorite metal bands right now. And But they use a lot of electronics in their um, songs and their fan bases joke that they say, they call it the tea kettle sound. It's a really high pitch yep. like build. Like Claire has told me, she, my wife, she's like this, that she's like, it's that sound. It like literally gives me anxiety when we listen to this music. Nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. I, I have to, there's certain bands that I know I could play around certain people. Yes. But then like, but I'll be at my mom's house and I'll be like, Hey Alexa play, you know, insert the band. You know, And I always go for like something like completely off the wall that has like the worst name possible so like i, I did it once we were like sitting in the kitchen like making dinner i was like hey alexa play cannibal corpse and my mom's like alexa stop alexa. <laughs> like, please i can't do that right now and that's another band that if like you don't know who they are like i would just be like anybody that like hears cannibal corpse and she's like oh i'm like hey go to their singer's instagram page 
and it's just oh. him at Disney World and like playing crane games and getting Funko Pops and like metal. Most metalheads are pretty nerdy fucking people, man, and that's what I love. That one was actually what got me probably the most recently was I played Recrucified, the new Revocation song yeah. with Corpse Grinder and uh, Trevor Strinad on it, and I you know posted it whatever. And I think it was uh, David Davison. I think he like either like tagged Corpse Grinder in it or something. And he like saw it and like liked his comment. And like through seeing that, I was like, Corpse Grinder saw my lighting. Yeah. That's and I awesome. was like, like that one was the one. Cause I saw them back like earlier this year. It was, it was um, Cannibal Corpse um revocation white chapel and oh, i think that was, those were the ones i saw isn't that wasn't that the the weird like metal blade 30th anniversary tour even though like two of those bands weren't even on metal blade it might have been it was something yeah. really weird i it was at a local venue here and i took my friend there for their birthday um but it was it was definitely like a really weird lineup because i remember I, i'm a huge revocation fan and yeah. so i uh, I think it was Rory's first time seeing Revocation and we saw it. They're a guitarist and, you know, very talented guitarist too. And they're like, that was insane. Like that was amazing. And then it like went right to Whitechapel. And then it was like, and you know, Whitechapel always does a really good show. And then like right to Cannibal Corpse. And it was just like, what is this lineup? Like, yeah. you know, amazing. Each band amazing in their own right. But um just very very all over the There's, place there there are times now as as like almost more of like an elder metalhead where i miss the the being surprised at things and discovering things because like i remember going to shows when i was a kid there's a specific one i'm thinking of was like uh the first time i ever saw behemoth uh oh. my my friends and i went to uh specifically we were eight, 18 or 19 uh we were going to see chimera and um behemoth was the opener direct support and then there were like two opening local opening bands and when behemoth walked on stage none of us had ever heard of them because this was like 2005 they weren't really big in the states yet like demigod had just come out yeah and they walked on stage and this is when they still had like the almost like like true cult metal look like we're now it's a little like different but leather gauntlets corpse paint like they looked like a true black metal band and i remember them walking on stage and me and my friends were just like all right who are these guys come on yeah like and then they started playing and we were just i remember like even half the crowd that was there that didn't know them everybody was just like whoa it's like there are some times where i almost miss those moments because there are still awesome bands that i discover yeah like, regularly but it's like I guess at this point there's like nothing that we haven't really heard if that makes sense in terms of like I wouldn't necessarily say that because bands are cranking yeah, out yeah. cool shit all the time but you know what I mean I think mm, what's the best way to put this I think I've been shocked enough by music that I'm not necessarily yeah. shocked anymore like see I feel the same way until I and I don't know what it was about it. I think it was because it was like 4 a.m. in the morning. But I was driving to like a General Motors plant to do some like site survey for some like car video shoot. And I was like driving down the road and uh, somebody had like told me like, okay, this band Archfire, need to listen to them. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I listened to their their newest album. Yeah. 
And I remember just driving down the road. And I, like I said, it was so early. So I was like half awake. And it was like super dark out in like middle of winter or some bullshit like that in Michigan, you know. And it was just like, it was so fast and so technical. And I mean, mind you, like I know like technical shit's been out there for yeah. like a long time. But just something about the way they do it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is phenomenal. And I actually yeah. got to play one of their songs at the arena. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, their, like, their music is just like so precise and so crazy good. And uh, when I saw them live, I was like, yeah, like this is, this is. Dude, and I, I agree. They're, they're one of those bands that even though like there are other like technical death metal bands, it's like for me personally, I think they do it so much better than every other band. And uh, when I had Dean on here on a, on a podcast episode, he explained to me, I find their live setup so interesting because he said that when they play live, they're all on in-ears, but mm-hmm. um, they don't have each other in their mixes. They only, they have, they have the album tracks in each of their ears and then their instruments. So each person on stage when they're playing live is actually playing along with the tracks from the album so that they can be tighter and locked in because it's like That's if you crazy because he goes with our band if you don't hear yourself perfectly it starts to fall apart so he yeah. goes every single one of us on stage plays to a click with the actual studio album and then just our monitors of our instruments and that's it and i'm like that's fucking i've never heard of anybody doing that dude that's and, and dean is he's phenomenal like oh, yeah. dean lamb as a guitarist phenomenal i was actually watching some of his videos earlier because they do uh i think it's like the four levels of metal yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that yeah no he's absolutely insane like yeah that he whole and his thing. wife his wife yes. is stupid good too <laughs> oh my gosh she yeah i was like watching i was like jesus christ like she's insane yeah like they both are yeah no that they're great definitely yeah but yeah no i mean i think I think that one of the things that's both a blessing and a curse is music is so accessible. So like we can see anything, we can hear anything, you know, we can discover bands from the other side of the planet, you know, no problem. So we're all just so used to hearing everything. And so when new stuff comes out and if there is a band that's doing something new, it's like, Oh yeah, I heard that six months ago and so and so did it in another country you know yeah whatever but also at the same time like that's when i feel like really getting to know what the band is doing who they are as people what the lyrics are you know stuff like that and then also for me like being a lighting designer like that's one of the first things i see i'm like okay what what does the light show look like what's going on with that you know because mind you that's something that's very difficult it's like a lot of metal bands don't carry an LD with them. Dude, I know. And I, in with metal, in my opinion, one of, I would say sound and lighting are probably your most important things. And what drives me nuts about metal LDs, and let me rephrase that, house LDs that are lighting metal bands. Yes, there you go. They fucking hear double bass and they're like, ah, strobe the whole time. So the house LD that was doing the lights for the Lorna Shore tour that I saw, dude, there was a point for one of the bands. I can't remember who was playing. might've been Angel Maker at the time. And I don't think that, I think it was a house LD. A whole song 
where it was every atomic on the stage was just going. And I looked around at the crowd and everybody in the crowd was all like, if the stage was ahead of me, everybody was just like this. And you I'm can't like, do it. it's too much. Like, like yeah, blast, blast beat to... doesn't mean strobe. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And the thing, the thing with metal is it's usually in a smaller venue. Mm-hmm. So with that, your two best friends are position presets and any sort of atmosphere. So your haze, your fog, yeah. any of that, because in that, in such a small venue, if you just have a couple spots or a couple beams and you just blast them up and you make it so that you have one look and then blackout, move your light. So they move in black and go somewhere else. You can get clean hits that isn't on just the strobing blast beat. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just, it's too much. It looks messy, you know? You know and then well, it's funny because so back when I first started, like I said, I was, I was an LD and um, we, we didn't carry a console. Like the whole reason I got it, the, the whole reason I got a gig was because uh, I, I wanted to quit my band and a band that we were touring with was like, Hey, we, we'd hire you to come work. And the thing that really kicked it off was one day when we were on tour, this band did not have an LD and the LD at the house at the venue that we were at was so bad that uh, the tour manager for the band was like, God, I wish there was somebody on this tour that knew how to do lighting. And I was like, I mean, I, I do enough. Like I've done it at a, at a venue like that I work at when I'm home. And he's like, okay, next show, I want you to run whatever consoles there and we'll see how it goes. And it went good. Yeah. And then long story short, they hired me to come out on the road and do lighting and merchandise. And no joke, my favorite thing I used to do on like any console, like when we were on a package tour and if somebody had like a hog or a grand MA or something, yeah. I would, you know, take whatever preset look that they were, they already had in there. And I would take the uh, pan and tilt faders and put them up just a little bit and then do maybe like a little bit of random intensity strobing with the lights. Mm-hmm. And I would literally just let them move around and do little random flashes. And I'm like, sometimes that's all you need. And it looks good. <laughs> so and and I have to I have to go back a little bit because I do use a lot of strobes, but there's a huge difference between having a full ice arena and doing strobes. Yeah. And in a small venue. Yeah, like, yeah. Big the difference. amount of the amount of lumens going into the eye changes a lot. Um and then another because I mean I'm on this ramp, but another one of my pet peeves is and and I'm I might get shit for this, but metal can be more than just red and blue. Yes. Yes. And like, I personally fucking hate the red and blue color combo at, at shows. I really do. So I, I'm like, I love a full just set red. Yeah. But you, this isn't 1980s and this isn't Oslo, Norway. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have more than just because at that point, I mean, you just got pars with gels and like we yeah. have moving heads, we have LED lights, we have the possibility to do RGB color mixing. The technology is there. Yeah. Mind you, the look is great. I red and blue I use a lot because the two sports teams I work for predominantly, red and white, red, white, and blue. Yep. And then when I sit in as the LD for the like I I help out for the lines occasionally. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Blue and white. Yeah. Like so I I do use a lot of red and blue, but when I get to do the metal walkouts, I can pretty much use whatever color I want. 
you know, if, if there's a game where it's like, oh, we're playing, you know, the Dallas Stars, it's like lay off the green a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's like when I can really just like open up and I have just this whole effects pool of color chases and four specifically like my Into the Hellfire one. I had like four different effects that are literally just like Lorna Shore one, Lorna Shore two, Lorna Shore three. Lorna, like my console looks like just an absolute mess. Like I, I go through and I sort everything really well, but like for my metal walkouts, I mean, the names are the most obscure thing ever. And then also just like, I have bump buttons and cues and everything just all over because that's the one time that I can really just like open up and do whatever I want. So I always said, I was like, if I ever get sick and ever anybody has to come in to run any of this, they're just going to be like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I felt like that in my job. Like we had so many, cause when we switched to like digital rigs for the guitar players I was teching mm -hmm. for, we had, there were so many things programmed in there that are like, when you're a full-time tech for somebody, you're, you're catering that rig to you. Same yeah. thing with you. You're catering your lighting console to you. So I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I would label things certain ways that I'm like, dude, if somebody else came in here, they'd have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. I, I try and like color code everything. So like, you know, red wings are red, pistons are blue, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I have cues in there that like were like a one-time thing that I just don't get rid of. So like I have one cue that's just Betty fucking white. And that was because we were in a meeting for the Pistons and cause we do like, you know, meetings for each game and whatever. And um, Betty white had died that morning. So we're in this meeting and anybody was like, Oh, do we have anybody got any questions? And I was like, Hey, uh, are we going to do an in memoriam for Betty white? And they were like, you know, we haven't thought about that. Let's do it. So they literally put together a full, photo montage of Betty White played the Golden Girls song and I had a ballyhoo of white and gold. Oh, no way. Just like in the arena. So if anybody ever looks at my console, they'll be like, what is half this shit? Yeah, like, yeah. Why do we have Betty White in here? What are half of these song titles? And then, you know, with uh, the Pistons, we get so much rap in there that I mean, some of the names, it's just like, you know, yeah. what, are, what are these cues? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So let me ask you something. Cause you said you, you absolutely would love to like tour and do lighting. I yeah. would, I would imagine the gig that you have now is, is pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. But if you were to get offered like a really good, decent tour that you would like to do that made sense financially and everything, like, would you wait, would you just take it and find somebody else to do it? Or would you wait till the end of the season? Like, how does that work? So, Hopefully my boss doesn't see this. Uh, as of, <laughs> so I mean, as you do now, not have to answer this if you do no, not no, no, want no. to. <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely, I, I a hundred percent was raised. You start something, you finish it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So started the season, finished the season. Yeah. Mind you, th this for everybody out there listening, the season ends April 10th. <laughs> so whatever happens after that. Um, no, I definitely, I've told my boss many, many times, like I, I wanted to, I was actually one of the, the biggest heartbreaks of my life, which it sounds so dramatic was um, I was finishing up movement festival here in Detroit and I get a message from um, Andy from the artist murder. Okay. And he was like, Hey, 
RLD stepping away for two weeks. Uh, would you want to sit in as RLD? You know, we will, you know, either fly you to Chicago or we're going through Detroit. If we'll, if you want, we'll pick you up in Detroit. We'll take you out. You'll, you know, be RLD for two weeks. You know, it's a pretty easy gig. You know, he's done most of the designing. If you want to like fuck around with shit, go for it. And I, I like right out of movement had a gig already lined up. Cause oh. I mean, he told me within like a week. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember being like, shit like that was like that is what i want to do you know like getting to tour with bands like that would be absolutely amazing but again with time i mean i'm fairly young so like yeah you know i recognize that i do have a minute um but yeah i i definitely think you know finish out the season do the thing because i do love what i do and you know it is a great looks good on a resume um yeah yeah but yeah if definitely if april 11th if uh the opportunity i love itself. that you are so confident your season's gonna end april 10th <laughs> that does look bad it does <laughs> i i will say i will say you gotta trust in the eiser plan which for those who are not in detroit uh steve eiserman is our general manager very well-known hockey player one of the greats um he is now our general manager came back to us they called the eiser plan that is what Steve Eiserman is doing in Detroit for the Red Wings. Um, looking good. They're looking a lot better. But. I, you know, know. Listen, I, I have a very healthy respect for Detroit as a, as a, as a sports franchise, because I am like a group, like a diehard Blackhawks fan. I, oh, I'm Rock- sorry. The, yeah. <laughs> I, no joke. Before we started this, I, I, I was looking at one of my Hawks sweaters in my closet and was like, Nah, I shouldn't. Put I was this right close now. to wearing. Oh, that would have been so good, man. But like, you know, I'm one of those sports fans that like, even though that, well, we really haven't had the Chicago Detroit rivalry since like the conferences and everything changed and stuff. But like, yeah, you know, even, even when they were big rivals, it's like, you know, you, you have a healthy respect for your rival team. And like, um, you know, especially getting to know, like I have, it's hard to be a Blackhawks fan right now because they just fucking suck. And it's like the older I get, I, I actually have like a handful of friends that play in the NHL. So for me, I find oh, cool. myself, I find myself rooting more for them in the mm-hmm. teams that they play for than like my own team. Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, definitely the thing with me is like, I like OG six teams automatically yeah. have my respect because yeah. being, yeah. being a part of an OG six team, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have, I have one homie. He's a super talented lighting designer. I actually met him through my metal walkouts. Cause he like hit me up and he was like, nice. good job champ. And you know, we're homies and everything, but uh, yeah, he's a huge abs fan. And anybody that knows hockey knows that the avalanche and the red wings had one of the biggest rivalries, yeah. like top it out. So, you know, there was one day we were like chit chatting about it and everything. And, you know, we, you know, friendly banter. And he's like, you know, but that was, that was so long ago. And I was like, yeah, it was, I was like, plus I was like, you guys have only been a franchise for a few years. I was like, you know, you got what, like two Stanley cup wins. We have 11, you know, whatever. And he's like, you don't fuck you. He's like, yeah. never mind. I take it all back. He's like, I'm, yeah. I'm glad Mind you, they've won the Stanley cup. So I don't, I don't have much ground to stand on. Right and now, it's, and it's funny too, because like living in Nashville, it's interesting because the Nashville fan base here looks at Chicago, like 
that's our big brother rivalry. And they think that that's how we feel about them too. And I was like, I don't even think about that. Yeah. I was like, I don't even think about Nashville. It's like, as a Chicago fan, it's like the two teams we've had the biggest rivalries with are the blues and the red wings. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, Nashville knocks Chicago out of the playoffs once, and all of a sudden they think that's like the biggest rivalry in hockey. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares. No. <laughs> like, also, and I might, and mind you, I respect all hockey teams, but who thought Predators was <laughs> the name choice? Well, it's like, you know, you see a lot of cities where when new franchises start, they at least try and keep the team names, you know, maybe like something that fits yeah. the city or the area, but it's like, you know, in Nashville, we got okay. Our minor league baseball team is called the Sounds. That makes sense. Oh, like, I but, love the Sounds, but like Titans, Predators. <laughs> like, you say that, but one of my biggest pet peeves of Detroit sports is we have the Lions, we have the Tigers. <laughs> Where are the Bears? In Chicago. <laughs> I know exactly. Like, you know, and then. We have the Pistons, which is, you know, cool, like cars, yeah, you know, yeah. Motor City, whatever. And then the Red Wings, which, you know, my friend who's Evan, who's the Avs fan, he's like, what even is a Red Wing? And I was like, well, if your franchise was as old as ours, you would know that they're originally the Falcons and then the Cougars or whatever, you know. Yeah. I was like, so they kept it throughout and everything. I was like, but mind you, I don't I don't know what a Red Wing is. Yeah, and I mean, um, at, at one point way back in history, too, it's like, Chicago and Detroit were owned by the same guy. Yeah. Like, you know, so, you know, a lot of the history with, with hockey is, is like super, super close, like closely connected. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like, man, I forgot where I was going with this. Okay. (laughs) Like, I'm like, like, like farting out here. It's getting, it's probably, it's later for you. It's an hour later there for you. Do you, I assume do you have okay? So, one of the last things I want to talk to you about. This is one of the things. Oh, and I forgot to ask. I promised a friend I would ask you this. Okay. Do you ever get to chuck any octopus from your lighting desk out onto the ice? Okay. <laughs> I do not have the arm to make it. <laughs> I mean, I told him I was like, dude, I'm pretty sure she's up in like the 300 press area. Like that's a yeah. long toss. No, I I would have to have like an MLB baseball pitcher like. Just- arm to to lob it borrow plus there's the, a net borrow the t-shirt cannon <sighs> that's <a whole> <laughs> um but the uh there's a net because yeah. you would for the pucks so i wouldn't quite make it but yeah no i, I have not had the i've seen many of octopuses thrown oh out. yeah many of octopuses that, so. that okay so in nashville real quick finishing up the hockey talk yeah. in nashville they've kind of you know wanted to they every time they think somebody does something cool they gotta do their own thing so the thing here is catfish on the ice now and, and uh, getting an octopus in seems like, yeah, I feel like I could do that. Like if I needed to sneak an octopus in, I feel like I could figure that out. But some of the ways I've seen people sneak in a cat, like a big full size catfish. There was a guy that during the the playoffs, um, <laughs> they, what he did was they, his friends held a catfish to his back and then they saran wrapped it around him. And then he put on his hoodie and his predator sweater yep. and then they get into the bathroom and they take it out and he sneaks it out and chucks it under the ice. And I'm just like, bro, you've had just a, <laughs> a catfish strapped to you for like hours. You probably smell so bad. That's what they do with the octopuses. You'll see guys like 
tear open their <laughs> stomachs and like pull an octopus out and and sometimes like i i don't know what the actual protocol is but like sometimes they look cooked D- and other times they're like just raw octopus yeah and i i've just i don't know security man like you gotta smell that yeah but also you don't want to like look at somebody and be like hey what you got there and that just be them like that's yeah i i can understand that but I realize no i realize for anybody listening that probably doesn't know north american <laughs> ice hockey they're probably like what's going on so th- throwing octopus or would it be octopi? I don't octopi, even, yeah. yeah. Throw, throwing that on the ice at, at a Detroit Red Wings game is kind of somewhat of a, a longstanding tradition, which is why we're, we're talking about this. But yes. the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about really quick, because I, I was shocked that you actually had time because having to do lights for both NBA and NHL games, like how insane is your schedule during the seasons? So it depends on the week. Um, it can be anywhere from, I've had nine games straight. So it's just back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. Um, overall, we do 82 games, 41 for ice hockey, 41 for basketball. And that's not including um, any college sports that we get in the arena. That's not including any of the media days that we do um, or any of the preseason games. So if, if a college team comes in there, do you have to be on hand to do all that stuff too? Friday night, 9 p.m., U of M versus uh, Eastern. <sighs> I'll be there. Uh, what about what about if a concert plays at Little Caesars? Are you usually on hand to, to be there? No, no? Okay. usually not unless they want to use anything from our rig. Then I just okay. do a, a, like an art net merge and stuff. Um, but for the most part, no. So that's nice. But yeah, like some weeks it's crazy. It depends on what um, like half times the Pistons bring in and stuff like that. So, I mean, I can have weeks that 80, 90 hours – Damn. You know, next week there's no games, so I'm gonna be at uh, LDI Lighting Conference in Vegas doing a um, speech on Friday. Little personal plug: Friday at a whatever nice. clock. Uh, but yeah, no. So like, depending on the week, I can sometimes get a couple days off. Sometimes it's just like, well, that's hope you don't have anything going on. I mean, like they do games on holidays and yeah. everything, and my family's just like. And and that's what's crazy though is like my family like I mean not my my parents but my extended family they'll be like setting up like family get-togethers and they're like well Carrie's schedule is so crazy we just don't even know how to like make it work and I was like NHL Red Wings schedule NBA <laughs> like you want to know like I know what days I'm working absolutely for the next seven months yeah yeah you know it's like it's it's like being on tour you know you know what days off you have you know what days you're working but yeah. yeah it's definitely crazy. Um, I I'm very fortunate there. I have one of the best IATSE stagehand unions there. Everybody there is super amazing. Um, my L2s are really cool. And overall, just like working with four wall, like I get amazing support from four wall Detroit and just from four wall in general. So it's nice. They definitely help me out a lot. And both the Pistons and Red Wings organizations are super cool. I mean, walking in, going from like the old LD who is like, you know, father of two, super clean cut, amazing dude, you know, to me walking in being like, I was 22 when I first started at the arena, um, being the LD, you know, like face tat and like whole nine. And uh, they were just kind of like, so this is who's doing all of our games now. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, 
give her a try. <laughs> you know, and uh, every, everybody was really cool and everybody, you know, but there was definitely a period of time of like trying to gain everybody's trust. For sure. And everything. Cause they, I mean, these organizations are very professional and are very, you know, I'm, I'm, very fortunate that they give me a lot of creative freedom on both sides like the pistons let me do pretty much whatever i want with the lights you know they give me a lot of cool things to design too and then the wings i mean with the metal walkouts and everything and i'm kind of waiting for the day for them to be like okay we're gonna try a different avenue mm-hmm. you know i mean you can't do everything forever you know yeah. there might be a point in time so i'm just just riding it out while i can um because i mean honestly like like I said, I, I do the metal walkouts just as much for myself as for anybody else. Cause yeah. that's like the one moment where like, cause a lot of stuff, you know, you design to like wrap and you design to like, you know, ceremonies for specific, you know, events and everything. So the, the hour, a game that I get to just kind of like design to the music that I love to the bands that inspire me is definitely like the hour that I get to just kind of like, focus on what i'm super passionate about yeah that's so, awesome yeah it's super fun i i really enjoy it and i've actually kind of gotten into uh taking songs and i don't know if the band like it but i take their songs and i'll throw it into garage band which is any audio person out there is probably cringing at that um, <laughs> but i'll find like certain instrumental parts and like kind of like layer them a bit because trying to find 45 seconds of straight instrumental is hard specifically being a fan of grindcore the songs are only a minute and a half anyway yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so it's like you know i i I have tried forever any any full of hell any jarhead fertilizer anything like that have tried to find a song that i can get any bit of just instrumental and dylan walker being like one of my favorite lyricist and just vocalist in general um i i love his voice but i'm like i just need you to stop for like 30 seconds because i really want to design lights to this but you know and that's the one thing is no lyrics yeah no you know and one day our dj did not loop a song and the red wings didn't quite walk out as quickly as they always do and for a good like twenty seconds in the arena, it was just Trevor Strinat just screaming. Yes. And oh, uh, afterwards, awesome. the guy who calls the show gets on and he was like, "Well, that happened." Um. Anyway, who's ready for t-shirt toss? Like he just kind of like glazed <laughs> yeah. over it. Um. But yeah, no, it's gotten to the point where they pretty much are just like, "Yeah, do your thing." But yeah, definitely when all the press started coming out about what was going on, the Red Wings organization was kind of like, huh. Yeah. Oh, all right. He was like, we didn't realize how many uh, headbangers, quote unquote, uh, were hockey fans. Dude, metalheads love hockey. I mean, it's the best. It's like moshing on skate. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think at least organizationally, I would think, you know, at the very least, there there might be some people that aren't even Wings fans or or people in the area that weren't interested, and then they see that and they're like, "Hmm, maybe I'll go to a hockey game." That is honestly one of my favorite things. Is people reach out to me and they're like, "Hey, I was at the game earlier and I heard you play this," or "Hey, you know, um, found you through you know whatever." And 
I've had a couple people comment on stuff and they're like, never cared about hockey. I'm a Red Wings fan now. Or like, <laughs> That's hey, so cool. love hockey, love the Red Wings now. I've had people be like, I want to come from, you know, wherever to come see it. And I was like, okay, if you, if you do that, please let me know so I can make sure so, like we don't have some weird event going on that day because yeah. I feel awful. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's cool is like getting to bring taboo, quote unquote, taboo yeah. music, not in the mainstream to a very mainstream platform is really fun. And have you, have you started getting requests yet? Oh, so I have had people re- like left and right. And, and I always say, I'm always really, I try and be very like, sweet about it because I, I really i really everybody who ever reaches out to me and everything has nine times out of ten been amazing i've gotten a few hate comments but whatever that happens yeah. um but i always say i say i don't take requests but i do take recommendations yeah so if you recommend something i will 100 percent listen to it i will 100 percent think about how it goes but if i'm being honest most of the time when i'm choosing a song it's what I'm listening to currently and if that band had came out with new music because like um, I have some songs that I kind of have on the back burner and kind of in my mind that I'm trying to like mull over and most of them have recently came out. Like when I did Recrucified by Revocation, that was off their newest album. When I uh, I did a Lorna Shore one yesterday, I took uh, Sun Eater and Wrath and I combined them yeah. oh, to make cool. one song. Um I was like, yeah, you know, Pink Mains just came out. Want to give them some shout outs, you know, stuff like that. So I, I love, you know, requests and everything. But but sometimes the requests are so, which music I love 100%, but things that I'm like, look, I can't play, you know, I Come Blood. I really can't. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would yeah. love to, but... Yeah, there you are know. certain things. I mean, dude, there have been doing requests on YouTube. There have been certain things were just based on a title. I was like, I I don't feel comfortable putting this like on my channel with a title like this. I really don't. There's been a couple things that I've kind of been like, you know, ooh, is this one? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just make it work. But the one song that I never expected to get pushback on by the Red Wings was actually um I posted a trivium song recently and that was the one that they actually gave me pushback on. Really? For what? It came in really hot. Okay. It just like right off the bat was like squealing guitar. And um because one of my homies tours with Trivium and okay. they were in town and I had a game so I wasn't able to be there. So I was like, you know what? Like, love this guy. I'm just gonna play some Trivium and be like, what's up? You know, this one's for you. And uh, came in really hot and just uh, the guy from one of the guys from our wings got in was like, too much. I'm like, okay, sorry. Mind it's, you, it's so funny to me that you just said like Trivium is the one that you got pushed back on when you've done Thy Art and cattle decap and black dahlia murder and lorna shore and carnifex and suicide like of all that's like the tame trivium is by far the tamest band you've probably ever played i played behemoth on easter sunday yes (laughs) like 
And no, nobody there, else probably got that. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was my little, you know, yeah. Yeah, homage, yeah. but, uh, dying fetus, like that one was, you know, I, uh, what, one that I really liked that, uh, nails, I did a nail song. Yeah. I remember seeing the video for that. Yeah. That one was really fun. And then recently, uh, two bands that anybody listening to this should definitely look up because they are like Detroit bands that are amazing acid witch oh i know acid witch acid witch is phenomenal um detroit band super great produce just crazy music kind of like psychedelic doom sludge if you want to get really specific and then uh there's a band called snafu okay i'm not familiar i'll have to check that out snafu is amazing uh s-n-a-f-u okay um super amazing like thrash death kind of stuff um and i played one of their songs at the arena because they're they're homies and everything and they had just came out with an album and uh yeah that i I was playing it the other day not realizing that one of the members of snafu was there and actually had just proposed to his wife i think at the game no way that's wild he was like thanks so much for that man you know and i was like I didn't realize you were here, but you're welcome. Congratulations. <laughs> That's one of those engaged. moments you just play it off exactly like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> oh, I 100% was like, I had no idea you were at this game, yeah. but super excited for you. But yeah, no, those are two bands. Anybody listening, definitely listen to um, Detroit. I am super fortunate to live in this area that has a really crazy metal culture. Yeah. And um, has always kind of had that. I mean, Detroit definitely has a it has that reputation of being just kind of like a underdog city, quote unquote, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, but yeah, the metal scene here is insane. I mean, like I said, I live less than a mile from uh, this venue called the sanctuary. And I see like, like revocation was just there. I missed them because, you know, I had a hockey game or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like top tier metal just comes through there all the time. Like I just missed, uh, I think it was varials which is like kind of my guilty pleasure is like hardcore um but yeah that definitely like i'm very fortunate to live in a community that accepts metal so well because yeah. i'm sure i've had people be like you know if this was you know at a canadian team or if this was at you know a team down south like this would not be happening right now yeah yeah for sure yeah, that's awesome, man. This has been such a cool conversation to like not only get to new, know you because this is the first time we've ever talked to each other, but like just to hear about this side of the industry and to hear what like you get to do at these sporting events and stuff is so rad. And I'm uh, I'm rooting for you. Hopefully, one of these days you you get that that tour that you want to get out on and who knows, maybe we'll like cross paths someday or something, you know? Hopefully, yeah. No, and thank you for having me. Like I said, when you reached out to me, I was like, really touched by it because like i said to me it's just like me playing music i love and my job so thank you so much yeah but for you know no no worries i mean i i just thought you know one i wanted to talk to you because just you know what you do in the industry is very related to what i do just in a different market and two i really do think you know even just you playing music for yourself and stuff. It's been such a cool thing for the metal community that I think a lot of people have taken notice. of, and like, especially like you said, like the bands, man. I mean, I've seen so many bands repost your videos that are definitely really appreciative of it. And that's really cool. Well, I actually like quick side story. I ran into Brian Ashbach 
at a show here in Detroit because he lives in this area. And he like walked up to me and he like, like kind of put his hands on my shoulder. He's like, hi. And I was like, hi, I'm, he's like, I know who you are. And he like gives me a hug. And then he was like, thank you for what you've done for us and for the metal community. And I, such a baby, I started crying. I started crying and I was like, thank you for just everything you do. I was like, for what you've done for like me as a person and everything. And like, no, it was definitely, like I said, it's been definitely very humbling and just like nothing short of grateful for everything. That's super awesome. Well, seriously, thank you for your time on your night off because I know you're crazy busy all the time. And for anybody that's listening or ever in Detroit and wants to go to a game, just know whenever you're at, say, a Red Wings game, what you're seeing and or uh, seeing on the ice and hearing those intermissions is is Carrie's doing here. So, um, man, seriously, thank you. This just for anybody that listens, it's funny because like normally we try and schedule these podcasts out. This was. I told Carrie we were going to do this for an hour and it's been almost two. Like we just keep going. Sometimes we're talking about juggalos. (laughs) Sometimes that just happens. But listen, I want to, I want to give you some time to enjoy your night off because I know you're super busy, but once again, seriously, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This was so cool to just, you know, talk to you about music and get to know what you're doing and stuff. Super, super, super rad. And, uh, Next time you're in Nashville, let me know. It'd be nice to meet up with you and meet you in person. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. And you have a wonderful, wonderful evening. You too. Thanks. (laughs) All right. See ya. Bye. Man, what a cool person to talk to. Well, on behalf of myself and all of the viewers and listeners, one more time, thank you so much to Carrie for joining us. I absolutely love having these conversations with other people in the industry, man. And, you know, I I love how loose this is. Some of this conversation is stuff that I, dude, I never thought we were going to sit here and talk about juggalos and ICP and all this other stuff, man. And, you know, the more and more I think about it, she and I probably have crossed paths quite a few times, especially at festivals and stuff, because as she was talking about, she does work at local festivals and other shows and stuff like that. And, if any bands out there happen to listen to this podcast episode, I maybe think about getting a hold of her to be an LD on your next tour, man, because just seeing the stuff that she does on her Instagram, I mean, she definitely, definitely knows what she's doing. And, you know, her passion for the music that came across is just unreal. Like, I guarantee you she would just put so much effort into anything on tour that she got on. And This was just great, man. It was just such a good conversation. You know, we got random, you know, video bombed by her cat. For those of you that are listening on, you know, the audio platforms, you didn't see that. But we saw a cat quite a few times and it was pretty fun. And again, that's what makes these fun, man. We never know what's going to happen. And, you know, I I just want to keep doing more of these, like in the sense of talking to more people from the actual industry, because while we're familiar with what everybody does and it's the same kind of thing, it's like everybody has different stories and different backgrounds and it's just, it's really cool. It's what makes this industry really, really, really fun. So one more time, thank you to Carrie for joining us. And as always, thank you to Rode Microphones for helping me sound better than I probably should, man. So 
But that's going to wrap us up for episode 18 of the Back Lounge podcast. We've got more lined up in the future. I don't want to spoil anything now, but now that, uh, you know, my wife Claire and I have completed our move, the office is set back up. I plan on doing these more regularly. We don't want to have, you know, another month or two break in between episodes. So be on the lookout. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast on the audio outlets if that's how you like to listen to them because... I hope to have a new one up every week or so. That's my goal. Every week or two at this point would be really fun because, you know, this is uh, honestly way more fun for me just to have these conversations than I than I ever thought it was going to. So before we go, just as a reminder, these are available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. I'm on a ton of different social media. We even have a Discord server if you would like to join a community of people from around the world. Discord.gg slash tank the tech. There are people on all the time because of all the different time zones in the world. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, I'm streaming on Twitch. We check out a lot of music stuff. We play video games. We have a good time. And my handle on most everything else on social media is at tank the tech. Thank you very much to everybody that took the time to check out this episode. Wherever you are in the world, be safe, be kind to each other, and I'll be back very soon for another episode of the Back Lounge Podcast.